Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. He's Oregon's all-time winningest high school baseball coach. He has five state titles and seven state championship game appearances, 18 league titles, including five for five with Astoria High School. In 30 years of coaching, his teams never missed the playoffs. He took the Astoria baseball team to the state championship game four times and won it twice. Dave Gasser will tell you he was blessed with great players. But to have such extraordinary success over a 30-year span, the real reason had to be Dave's unique ability to inspire and help his players to be the best that they could be, both on the field and off. His approach worked in baseball, and I suspect it would help all of us in any walk of life. I enjoyed a chance to have a conversation with Dave Gasser on a nice day out on the patio of one of our local brewers. I invite you to listen in. I was at a school where, grade school, uh, my best friend, Tom Wise, his brother happened to be Rick. Well, I was watching a guy that was going to be in the major leagues by the age of 20, pitching at high school, and no wonder I thought high school varsity baseball was major league baseball. Yeah. I mean, and... You know, he won state championships. The next group of guys had a major leaguer, and they won state championships. And I just grew up thinking Little League teams can go to the World Series. Babe Ruth teams can go to the World Series. Legion baseball teams can go to the World Series. And if you're good at, at the varsity level, you can win a state title. And that was just what I grew I just grew up in that type of a rich baseball environment. That's pretty interesting. Your expectations kind of led to your successes in a way. Yeah. That I can visualize how good you need to be and all I got to do is open my eyes and watch a varsity baseball game. And I'm not surprised at all when your best players get drafted. And I wanted to get drafted. Yeah. I just stopped growing in February. <laughs> Well, you know, I think all of us as kids want to be want to be a major leaguer. And, Correct. And, uh, did you have a Did you have a favorite player or a favorite team? Well, I'm older than you are, so I, I grew up in Chicago, rooting for the Cubs. Oh. I mean, I've been a Cub fan. Loved Ernie Banks. Absolutely. I thought he was one of the greatest players that's ever walked the face of the earth, and one of the finest humans. And a gentleman and a groundbreaker. Yes, in, in such in a gentle way, way. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but I became a Cub fan because the first kid I ever coached, and this was a Canby kid named Jay Ballard, whoever made it to the major leagues, broke in with the Phillies, but was traded to the Cubs. Mm -hmm. And I sat behind the dugout and watched three straight games against the Cincinnati Reds. Pete Rose was coaching the Reds. All right. Betting on his team, I guess. And uh, I got to watch Jay pitch twice. And for three days, I went into the clubhouse locker room with Jay and watched oh, Andre Dawson, um, Rick Sutcliffe, Lee Smith, those guys, that team, Sean Dunstan, um, come in every day. Ryan Sandberg at second base. And these guys were coming in, and they, they found out I was a high school baseball coach. 
And to be honest, they treated me like I was just belonged there. Yeah. With humility and respect. Yeah. And it was, I became an over-the-top Cub fan because those people were just really great human beings to me. Yeah. Simply because I was a high school baseball coach. Well, they all had contact with someone yes. like you. And the they past. were saying, Jay, thanks for doing this because I got to bring my high school baseball coach here. Well, you were with some pretty pretty substantial folks there, but I'd have to say, look who's talking. I, I was thinking earlier today that you you were sort of the Simone Beals of high school baseball coaching. <laughs> I mean, you work. She, I mean, she has set a new standard for what that's about, what gymnastics is about, what a woman can do in gymnastics. Well, what did you do in high school baseball coaching? Who got more wins than you? And you were back in the playoffs all the time. You won your, your league championship all the time. <laughs> and, you know, uh, well, I mean, I... I grew up learning how to do it right. Mm -hmm. I got that from Madison High School, and and I wasn't college caliber baseball player. I I, uh, I had tremendous mentorship from a couple guys at Madison that were um, better people than you can find anywhere anywhere. And they taught me to do it right. And then, and I didn't know that most people didn't know what I knew going in. So I went in with a tremendous advantage. But ultimately, it was um, my faith, just who I am. I'm always trying to find what people are capable of doing and trying to bring that out of them. And I was blessed to endlessly have good talent. I, I, you can't, you can't take a mediocre player and make them anything better than good. Right. I was one of them. Yeah. I was a mediocre player, and I got everything out of me. And I was a dang good high school player. Was yeah. I excellent? No, but dang good at what I did. So I knew how to make the kind of potentially good player good but I realized going in that I had to make X number of players better than I was and that requires God-given genetics yeah. it does yeah. you know and when I was thinking about taking the Astoria job thinking about it I just wanted to meet the kids mm. so I started to meet them in 05 I started to meet them and uh, there was exceptional athleticism here and tremendous work ethic. It was just here. They just needed somebody that knew how to get here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. And, and uh, I can still remember one of the things that kind of sealed the deal. I think I want to co-chair. <laughs> I'm driving from the high school and... Uh, I'm driving along Young's Bay, and I look over at Tapiola, and in the batting cage, there was an outdoor batting cage that was just covered in cyclone fencing. 
I, I look and there's two guys hitting there. And I see this kid. And I literally hung a Yui and pulled into the parking lot and, and said, uh, Hello, young man, who are you? Uh -huh. He says, Sir, I'm Jordan Poyer. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, and Jordan, how old are you? Well, I'm 14. I'm going to be a freshman in high school. It takes this long to recognize special talent. It, you know, Malcolm Gladwell writes the book Blink. I've been around baseball so much, and I was around guys that were draftable, right. that all I have to do is go blink, and that's something special. And I have a lot of those in Astoria, a lot of athletes that were willing to do what it took to kind of help themselves mentally and physically become what they were capable of being, mm -hmm. that was as clear as a bell to me in my head, and believe me, it was tremendous athleticism and great kids and some great parenting that well, I ran into at Astoria. That's the truth. It's got to be fun now watching Poyer continue to to excel. You know. Yeah, I watch. I have watched him play in Minnesota, and I just I didn't watch the game. I watched him every play. Yeah. Well, my junior, his junior and senior year. I kind of came out of football retirement and helped Howard group. Jordan's senior year, our defensive calls started with, where did I put Jordan? Yeah. Short side, strong side, weak side, wide yeah. side. Where did he go? And then I make a call. Right. And... Uh, I've never seen quite anything like him on a high school football field. And I've coached some pretty good kids in football. Really good kids. I mean, kids that played Division One football, but nothing like him. Well, we've been talking a little bit about one of the main things I wanted to ask you. And, and, yeah. And I, and I understand that, that having some talent obviously makes that possible to, to excel. But you managed to excel in a lot of different places. And I'm just wondering, you know, aside from the, the kids and, and, the, and the, the luck you had getting kids that you think were really yeah. good kids, what is it, and you touched on this a little bit, but what is it you brought to have that kind of remarkable, consistent success? I mean, the, you were, the, you were the, the, the factor in all of that, and you brought something special to that. And it, it, if you can share that, I think that would be something that everybody would want to hear. You know, what, what okay. do you think it was that you brought? Well, I, you know, I just <laughs> truly, I just truly believe that every human being is better than me in some ways. Sure. Has been handed some pluses that if you refine those pluses, you could have something special. And all of us are, are also dealt some real low cards, you know, and have some weaknesses. Well, if you can just acknowledge them, you know, and not pretend they're not there, and not make stuff up, if you can just say, you know, and I'm struggling with this, yeah. 
and I'm really good at this. Well, well now we've got something. It's like, yeah, dang straight. I can look right at you and see how good you can be. And it's not just refining your pluses. We gotta do something with the minuses, man. We gotta name them. We gotta name them and then figure out how to not have them ruin you. That, that kind of premise, you know, like, like I was a hothead. I had to learn how to overcome getting so ticked at myself in baseball that I'd go into a death spiral. And I had a lot of players like that. But ultimately, if the acronym that stuck for all my life was what's important now, what is important now? And we'd write that on the cloth, W-I-M. It's, it's ultimately, you strike out what's important now. Mm. Make an error, what's important now? You are blowing your top, what's important now? And it's just acknowledge that you're ticked or you're embarrassed or something's going wrong. Acknowledge that you just screwed up. It happens. Mm -hmm. And what's important now is can you please focus on what your teammates need right now? What do they need from you? I had to learn that. Yeah. At the end of my junior year, I was taught that lesson by a senior player. He says, why don't you quit dwelling on yourself and why don't you start thinking about what your teammates need from you right now? And it was the essential lesson I learned from baseball. That mistakes are going to happen, but what's important now? And that somehow or other, if before you go into the death spiral, you can simply say, what do my teammates need? And you can get great satisfaction in providing that. And you find out that it's extremely better to live that way. That rather than become self-absorbed, you just start to think what do the people who depend on me need from me right now and then it gets easy it's not hard it, it becomes it goes from impossible i'm carrying too much weight to easy just think about others and how you can benefit them and life gets easier it gets doable and it gets more rewarding well i'm glad i asked you that question because that was that actually is wonderful advice for anybody in any circumstance. Yeah. And I am that, and I am 69 years old looking at you right now. And little Dave still wants the world to rotate around him. <laughs> it, it will never go away. It's just little Dave, I'm not gonna I'm gonna bypass you and go to what's important now and go there. Hope you have a nice day, Little Dave. <laughs> and and we talked about Little Dave all the time, because I was uh, I helped a lot of kids um, and I wish somebody would have helped me, because my senior year I was one for 20, because Little Dave <laughs> ran the show for three weeks ruined my season, but we still won the state championship and did not ruin my season, and I learned how important that was. I just helped my team. It's like, you know what, I'm one for 20, but dadgummit, 
I'll block this ball with my throat and not let it go by me. Right. <laughs> there we go. You know, it would be so liberating for each of us if we could kind of take what you said and think of ourselves as a collection of pluses and minuses instead right. of that overall kind of paint thing we paint ourselves with, like I'm, I'm just not good, or I'm, I'm, I'm a failure, or I'm this, and, and realize that, yeah, probably in some ways we all are. Exactly. And I mean, it's like we have false either-ors. Yeah. Either I'm this or I'm that. Well, that's not true, and we paint with too big a brush. It's like, no, I mean, the reality is, and this was one of the favorite things I did with every team I ever coached. I want you to sit down and I want you to write down the worst things you've ever thought, <laughs> done, or said. And we're going to make a political commercial of that, of those ten things. And nobody's going to vote for you. Yeah. And who's in that boat? All of us are in that boat. Now the ten best things we've ever said, done, or thought. Now we, look, now we look like Gandhi. Yeah. You know, we look like Mother <laughs> Teresa. Yeah. And what's true is simply something in the middle, but the key is which way are you trending yeah. towards towards the the you that is possible or the the you you're settling for. And and you know, to be honest, the, the truth of that I think is so obvious that kids seize on it and love gravitating in the other direction. That's what I found. They love gravitating in the other direction. All they gotta do is recognize it. Failure is baseball. Now you either use it to make adjustments to improve or use it to justify it, blame others, all that stuff that goes nowhere. It just kills traction. Well, you're, I think you've been, in a way, talking about or explaining um, one, of the, one of the quotes I read that, uh, from you that I, I thought was particularly striking. You said, I think baseball is the best citizen, citizenship class that I could conceive for a young man. Yes, I do. Because I think a citizen gives a rip about the type of employee they are and the type of neighbor they are and the type of family member there and and if you don't well just all you got to do is look at America in the 21st century and there's a critical mass of people I think still that are good citizens yes I th I really think they are yeah. I just think we give a lot of attention to the people who aren't a lot of ink uh, we spend we Angst, angst and giving up doesn't have any value. I mean, it's, I, I don't, I haven't met too many people that if you respect them, they don't respect you back. Yeah. It's just what i found. And uh, I've heard of all sorts of kids that I've coached that were supposed to be, oh, this kid is this or that or the other. Well, not necessarily if, if you respect their inherent human value and try to help them develop it and 
help them acknowledge their mistakes and realize they don't have to cover them up around you because I make enough. I mean, I think one of the main things that I learned how to do in coaching was apologize to kids for not handling things right because it kind of frees them up to not be perfect. Yeah. Because the Lord knows you can be up five zip going into the six and that game can go south on you real fast and you're never as good as people think you are when you're winning all of your games and you're never as bad as when you're losing a few in a row it's it's which way are you trending this is probably a hard thing to describe in words but when you are working with a specific player and trying to help them get better yeah can you talk in any way about, about how you do that question I, but, but to be honest, I think um, a coach is a teacher. Mm -hmm. A teacher is a, has to be able to make a diagnosis. Mm. You gotta be able to look at somebody and say, where are they? Mm -hmm. And if you want them to get better, what's the next thing they need to learn to get better? You can't give them five things. You can't expect too much. You don't sit around and go, oh, good job, good job, and have any improvement happen. It's like, what is the one thing you can offer as a correction um, to move them up? This, this, this is a really good one. Um, Johnny Wooden, who is literally my hero mm -hmm. as a coach, um, was evaluated by educators um, trying to figure out why every year he could graduate four of his five starters yep. and the very next year have four brand new people that be better than everybody else and win it again how could that happen so they they noted every word he said in practice was it praise was it um, Criticism? Was it a correction? What would you think? What does he do most of the time? Uh, I would guess praise. As would every single person I've ever asked that question. 6% praise. Really? 6% criticism. Literally 90% correction. Okay. When his players were asked, "Thank you," what what percentage of your of John Wooden's words to you are positive? They'd say a hundred percent because they they trusted his intention toward them, mm -hmm. and they saw correction as nothing but positive mm -hmm. because they knew what his intentions were. He wanted to help them. And correction is the only thing that moves you forward. Praise stops learning. He obviously had the art of correction without criticism. Exactly. It was his tone of voice and earning the confidence mm -hmm. that his players realized why he was there. And I always tried to emulate that. Mm -hmm. So that correction would not be seen as criticism. Mm -hmm. Correction is simply my effort right now to offer you something that's going to make you better.
how is that not positive? And as long if you can keep it that way, correction is the thing that moves you forward. It's like, you know, he would say things like, Mr. Walton, establish your inside foot before you make the turn to shoot. Something specific, understandable, that if I do that, I get better. And that, that is the diagnostic part. You look at a hitter and you say, you know what? If, if you simply relax this and this when you load, just relax it. Mm -hmm. See what happens. Mm -hmm. Try to hit this part of the ball instead of the outside part of the ball. See what happens. You know, it's just being able to look at a person and say, yeah, um, your feet aren't square to your target when you're trying to throw. Mm -hmm. Just get your back foot down, put your front toe down, have a straight line to your target. Try that. And as soon as they do, they're better. It's a pretty exciting, organic learning environment. And the other thing that, that Astoria taught me was we'd have, once a week, I'd have a, I don't know, the I don't know girl. So you'd come to me and I'd go, I don't have any idea what's bothering you right now. Could you tell me? Just tell me what's what's bothering you? Because yeah. I don't, I can't read your mind. Yeah. And I and I'm not the expert here. You are. You're the expert on what's bothering. You. And so once you know what is maybe in the head of a kid, because kids come up with a lot of stinking thinking. I did. <laughs> you know, and it's just negative thinking. It's blocking yeah. you, and you don't know what it is, and yeah. or, or what your what your think is beating you. What's what's beating you right now? Well, and if the kids told you, if if you got trust enough that they tell you, it's like, well, shoot, that's not hard. You want to <laughs> do something about it? It's just freeing, yeah. and and then it leads to that next correction. Just try this. Just try this. I, I mean, I can think of so many times where just tell me, I don't know, what's bothering you? Well, try this. And how fun that is yeah. to yeah. see a person just get themselves out of jail free. Get out of jail free card. Well, a couple of things occur to me. It's got to be liberating for the kid to have someone that they trust enough to be able to, to open up to like that. But I think you've also given parents all over the place some good advice about raising their own kids. That that, that constant praise isn't necessarily the way to go, which has kind of been the trend lately. No, and, no, it is. It's yeah. like it's like you're doing a great job if you just say, wow, you know, your throw was 30 feet over the head of where you were <laughs> aiming. Great effort. What does that accomplish? Great effort. My lord, if you make a bigger effort, we got to chase it farther. How does it doesn't get you anywhere? You know, and it's it's like, "Oh, I'm doing I'm I'm just using 50." I still remember when I listened to warm fuzzies and cold pricklies in a teacher training session. We have too many cold pricklies, criticisms. We need to praise more. And what they forgot was between criticism and praise is corrections where 
a professional helps people get better. We've been talking with Dave Gasser, Oregon's all-time winningest high school baseball coach. He helped his players be the best they could be on the field and off. He's a great guy to talk with, and his lessons and philosophy would likely help in any field. This is The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rucka. Thanks for listening.